So when I was starting my business, I did a ton of styled shoots and that was a really great way for me to create relationships with people. It gave me content when I was starting out, um, but it's also an opportunity to show somebody what it's gonna be like to work with you on the wedding day without having to actually work on a wedding. For whichever vendor category you're in, if you're doing a styled shoot, that should be your goal. Like, just show up, do your job, and make everybody's life easier. Like, you know, working with, if you're a photographer or videographer, working in advance with the planner to figure out what shots need to happen. Because believe me that planners and people at venues will watch the setup process, even if they clean it up at the end of the day before anybody arrives. Like we're still judging you for that. So you just kind of have to keep in mind that it's kind of like a try, it's like a tryout almost. You know, the main aspect of being a success in your business is actually selling your service. Who would have thought? When it comes to videos, whether you're doing weddings, company profiles, corporate work, or ads, the fastest way to sell is to draw emotion from the viewer. It doesn't matter how good your shot or how epic the setting is. It'll be no match from the power of audio. The clear audio and music are the keys to telling and selling a story. For us and a lot of people in my industry, the best source for high quality music is none other than Musicbed. Musicbed has a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a Wedding Video Boss listener, you can get your first month of subscription free or 20% off of a single song purchase. Just enter the promo code, no space, Wedding Video Boss when you check out. Now you could call yourself a savant, a master storyteller, or whatever the heck you need to say to make yourself different. Remember, use the promo code Wedding Video Boss or click on the link in the notes. Welcome to the Wedding Bossness Podcast, where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative. If this is your first time, this is a podcast for someone like you. Someone who wants to turn their hobby into a business. Turn their service into a sale. Being in the creative industry, you'll encounter a lot of obstacles. You'll have doubters. People who won't see your vision and think, that you're going to be crazy thinking that you live off of this long term. Most of the time, your biggest doubter is yourself. That's why I didn't want to be the podcast to bring you just the inspiration. I want to bring you the tools for execution. Bossness is defined as every time you do something right and people might doubt you, you prove them wrong. Just like when I launched this podcast, it took me two years to get over hearing no one would want to listen to you, you look different, you don't fit the mold, you're too handsome, you don't have enough experience. Until one day I decided to say, I've heard enough, shut up whiskers. And so I stopped listening to the neighbor's cat. You know what, I haven't talked to her since. What I love about this podcast is that after listening to the other ones that talk about the craft and the styles, here, we talk about the value that you'll bring to the table. How to actually turn an inquiry into a client. Yeah, everyone can learn to shoot or learn to decorate or coordinate or play music. But what makes you unique is your worth. That extra ingredient that sets you apart. Just like you, the guests bring something more. And their experience is not just based on theory. 
It's based on hard evidence, numbers, which I love. Their topics may not be the sexiest because it's mostly back-end stuff and that they may not be well-known in your field because they represent other industries, but that's the beauty of it. These people are hand-picked and they have sterling reputations in their own areas to give you the proven tools so that you can build your business the right way. I always believe that there's something to learn from someone in an unexpected place and I want to be the one to close that gap for you. So if this all makes sense to you, welcome. And when we come back, we're diving right in. I'll play the intro so that you'll have time to grab a pen and paper. We'll be right back. So cue the music. Thanks for being on the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I, we, we've been going, um, I've been reading the stuff that I want to talk to you about and I'm really excited. I was telling you earlier because this has been like an ongoing issue for me. Uh, so before we start, I would love it if you tell the listeners and the viewers something about yourself that they'd probably be surprised to know. Yeah, I think most people don't know that I actually used to be a music photographer and journalist when I was in college and law school and even through like practicing law for a little bit. So music photographer, uh, like concerts. Yeah, concerts and then like, you know, band photos and stuff like that. Okay, I have a question about that but let's do your origin story first so okay. let's let's talk about how you got into this industry and what you're up to right now yes so i started color pop events almost six years ago at this point while i was still working full-time as a commercial real estate attorney i hated every second of being an attorney and always knew i wanted to start my own business and so at various stages, I was always kind of brainstorming different business ideas. And I thought about opening up a doggy daycare. Um, I came dangerously close to going to pastry school because I thought I wanted to open up a bakery. Um, happy that I didn't do that. So, And event planning was just something I kept kind of coming back to. It was a really good fit for my skill set in terms of requiring a lot of organization and management and attention to detail, but it also provided a creative outlet that I was sorely missing as an attorney. And then I planned my own wedding in 2012, found it to be a fun and easy process, which I know is not normal for most people that plan their weddings. And after that, decided to kind of like slowly start taking steps to get the business off the ground. So I was married August 2012, actually just celebrated my anniversary two days ago. Um, oh, congratulations. And then, thank you. And then about a little over a year. So October 2013 was my first official wedding as ColourPop Events. That's so cool. So how, if you don't mind me asking, what's your, I guess, what's your average, uh, number of weddings a year per year since since you started i probably do now that i'm you know i'm consistent with it i'm probably doing like 15 to 20 per year okay that's cool i've always wanted to do less because i want to concentrate more on <laughs> more yeah. on our clients and you know i wanted i want to get uh, a little bit 
I guess higher end um, couples, just yes. so not really like super luxurious because statistically those wedding those marriages don't really last that long. <laughs> I want I want like closer to the middle where they're actually gonna be like after ten years, hey, you have a baby now, right? <laughs> so, okay, now I want to ask you um, about uh, music photography. Like, why? Yes. What? What got you out of it? Like, why didn't you pursue that that path? It was always a hobby. Um, yeah, I wasn't very. I can say that I just I wasn't very technical about it. Like, I I don't have. I just kind of had a good eye, and so this was also back in the day when it was still film. So there was kind of like less technical stuff that you could do. So I just kind of had a knack for capturing good photos, but not having any knowledge of like that's real, the, the technical specs and stuff behind it. And yeah, it always was just a fun side project, not ever anything that really interested me to go full time with. So yeah, it kind of filled up a few years for me. So, but the thing is, um, you, you have, you're conscious about composition, correct? Yes. So yes. that's perfect because for, for wedding planners, you know, I, I'm I'm not trying to like bash anyone, but I just feel like sometimes there are planners who step in and say, "Oh, this is going to be like a good shot. Do this," and I'm like, hmm. "Oh, even if I have an eye for composition, I would never tell a photographer that at the wedding." Yeah, <laughs> like I would say something to the extent of, "Oh, can you get some detail shots of the table?" But I would never say, "Oh, this is a perfect setup. Like, get it from this angle." No, yeah. I, I do not get that. And I don't step on toes. Like that. But I'm I pretty don't. sure you compliment. Like if you see like a really good angle, you're like, oh, wow, that's really, really. Oh, nice. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can appreciate good photography. That yeah. might make me more critical than some people. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. So imagine like being a guest at a wedding. And um, for me, I see like a videographer and then I just watch this guy just hmm, he's doing it all wrong. Yeah, I was a guest at a wedding once where the cake started to lean because it was really hot. And oh, my husband's like, are you going to say anything? I'm like, it's not my wedding, but I hope the cake doesn't fall over. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of like um, when you're a doctor and you're out of your clinic and you see someone like passing out or something, you, you're you not really required to interfere unless it's like a life or death right so yeah, yeah. good good for you <laughs> yeah like i guess if the cake started to fall over i might run and try to catch it and salvage it but like it was just leaning a little bit and you know i kept my mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> so okay um i want to ask you uh do you, you have two overarching simple tips on how planners and videographers can work better together yeah. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? No. So um, the overarching tips are communication and keeping in mind, like being nice and keeping in mind that we are all on the same team. So I am a big, like, I'm just a huge communicator. I, you know, probably over communicate and go over details way too many times, but I feel like things have gone wrong enough that it's, to the benefit, like for me just to triple check everything with somebody. And also, so that goes 
towards like before the wedding, I want to make sure like with all the vendors, including the videographers, that there's open lines of communications. We're going through the day of timeline. I'm making sure that they have everything they need from the couple. If they're not getting it, I love when a videographer will reach out to me and like actually tell, you know, if they're not getting something they need and I can help them get it, like reach out, let's talk about it. So in advance, it's going over the schedule and making sure we're all on the same page with the details. And then on the day of it's, you know, keeping in communication and having open lines of communication on the day of itself. I can't tell you how many photographers, videographers, other vendors I've worked with that like barely speak to me on a wedding day. And it just makes for an uncomfortable situation. Like there's really no reason to do that. And we're going to all work best together if we're all talking to each other and keeping each other updated on stuff. So like if something came up and the videographer, if you need to steal the couple away for 10 minutes, like just come, you know, give me a heads up and I can let you know if there's anything that's supposed to be happening in those 10 minutes or if it's fine to like take them out for some additional footage. Because otherwise I've had photographers like try to take the couple out for night photos, like right when we're about to do toasts because they weren't paying attention to the schedule that I had or, and they weren't talking to me. So communicating on the day of is key. And then also just keeping in mind that we are all on the same team. Like at the end of the day, we're all there to make the best day possible for this couple. It's not about anybody's ego. It's not about, you know, make, you know, being the star of star vendor of the day. Like at the end of the day, we all have to come together and make things work. And if something goes wrong, we've all got, we're all in it together and all kind of need to be open to fixing it. So I think keeping those two things in mind is like really key for making the relationships between planners and videographers pretty seamless. So as a videographer, you know, the, um, I, I, ha I have a lot of photographer friends, so it just goes hand in hand. Like the fear of the photographer and the fear of the videographer is what if the, they're not going to get along, right, yeah. with the photographer, which is I really hope is not the case, but sometimes it happens. How can you <laughs> – because I feel like sometimes when when we start filming a wedding, like working on a wedding together, and I feel like the photographer's – giving me like this vibe that I really don't want to yeah. deal with that day yeah. of. I don't want to be, I don't want to go to the coordinator and say like, Hey, he pushed me or something like that. <laughs> so how, how do you think a vendor should handle that? If it already happened, like, yeah, well, I think, well, I mean, we can back up and say, I think in advance it's helpful if a photographer and videographer haven't, worked together, I think it's helpful for them to get on the phone um, or meet up beforehand if that's at all possible. I feel like some of the best videographers and photographers that I work with always ask about the other. So if I've got a photographer, they'll say, is there a videographer? Can you send me their info? And if I've got a videographer, they're always asking who's the photographer. We'd love to just touch base with them in advance because I think having a strategy almost because you do have multiple people having to capture the same moment. So having a strategy for where people will be positioned and all that kind of stuff, because I imagine that there have been plenty of videographers who have had photographers step in the middle of their shot. There have been plenty of photographers whose videographer, whose cameras have been in the way of their shots. So I think trying to do it in advance is helpful. 
Um, on the day of, I mean, honestly, like I said, we're all there to make the couple happy and we're all on the same team. So if somebody does come to me and is like, this, photo like the, this photographer just keeps stepping into my shot, they will not stop or they're not talking to me. Like I'm not, I personally won't treat that as like running, you know, to a parent and like telling on somebody like, I look at that as like trying to make sure that everybody's getting the best that they can on the wedding day. So I think it's, you know, obviously like don't try talking to them, try talking it out. But if it's just like you're hitting a brick wall, like please don't hesitate to come to me and like, let's figure this out. Okay. Cause I, I just feel like we shouldn't treat the planners as like mom or dad, like, you know, we need to handle this ourselves, but sadly there's, there's, I've been in a situation where the photographer was a nightmare and there's no coordinator. And yeah. I just feel so helpless. Yeah. And I hated the feeling of let's just get this day over with. I'm just going to yeah. let them do whatever they want. And I hate yeah. that because these couples, they pay us a lot of money. Yeah, that's the worst. And yeah, but like that's, I mean, a good planner and I can't, so I'm only speaking for myself. Like I'm more than happy to step into that situation. I'm sure there's planners out there that are going to be like, handle that yourself. That's not my job, but like my, I will do whatever it takes to make sure the couple is happy. And if that means making sure that the vendors are working seamlessly together, like that's, that's my job. Yeah. Okay. So, um, now I want to ask you, what are the missteps that you see in a planner videographer relationship? And also, if you have, if you've observed um, missteps in a DJ video, uh, DJ planner relationship. Oh, interesting. Yeah, with the videographers, I mean, I think it's similar. To, it's kind of plays off of the points that I've made earlier. So, you know, not being open to talking through the photographer in advance of the wedding or even on the day of, like, I always like seeing the photographer and videographer, like, powwow about how they're going to set up for the ceremony and, like, the videographer having the camera on the tripod like down the aisle and the photographer being aware of that and making sure they're not standing directly in front of it. Um, so just seeing no communication is a definite misstep. Um, and being hard, just not being approachable, like just be nice. It's really that simple. Like if I feel like I can't talk to you, that's the worst feeling for me. I mean, and I, like I said, you know, I've worked with caterers who were their event captain, like was just so rude and cold. And I just felt like I couldn't communicate with them at all. Um, I also think, and I have to bring this up because this is just such a hot button issue, but vendor meals. So like, getting snippy when it comes to getting fed. Like I always, I will make sure that I will always make sure my vendors get fed. What I don't have control over is the timing of that. And I like, I've put so much time and effort into like trying to brainstorm with caterers, like what's the best timing, but then sometimes I'll get into a story in a second. But anyway, like, you know, ha bring snacks, like, we're all going to get hungry. It's going to be a really long day for all of us. We're all not going to get to eat as soon as we want to eat. And we're not going to have as much time to eat. So like, and you know that going in. So bring some snacks if you feel like you're going to get hungry. Um, but one of the interesting things I did, I did a speaking gig with a bunch of photographers and took kind of like an informal poll. And most photographers actually preferred to have 
they wanted to be eating what the guests were eating and take their chances on what time that meal would be served really? rather rather than being served like let's say like pasta and a salad at the end of cocktail hour when you could sit for 20 minutes uninterrupted um so the vent yeah the vendor meals is really it's very interesting and i've i'm trying to I don't know. Maybe that'll be like my life goal is to solve the world's vendor meal problem. That, you know, that's really, <laughs> the hungry vendors. Oh, poor vendors. I know. Yeah, I, that's surprising that the people would rather eat the, what the guests are eating. I know. I was like, well, then stop. Like, if you're going to complain about not getting fed on time or like not having enough time to eat then take the obvious option of having like a guaranteed time to like actually be able to sit and eat. But no, people, they are more, they want what the guests are getting served. Mm. Okay. I have, we have, we have this strategy. So if we, if we, um, if we're doing a wedding at a place where there's a restaurant, Mm -hmm. We just tell the couple, just order food at the restaurant for us instead of paying for the vendor meals because oh, the vendor meals are the same price, but yeah. I'm going to get a prime rib dinner as opposed to chicken marsala. <laughs> so sometimes it works. Sometimes the caterer is like, no, you can't because blah, right. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but it's yeah. the same thing. So let me, wh what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? That might solve the world's problem. Yeah, I mean, I feel like un unfortunately New York, the mo the majority of the venues I work at all have outside catering. They don't have like restaurants in house, so that's not as applicable. I really do. I like that idea though, because then you can also rely on a different. Like, if the restaurant isn't necessarily the one, like the same kitchen cooking the food, then you could get your meal at a, whatever time you want. Honestly, um, yeah, and I it's cheaper, that idea. right? And it's cheaper. Yep. Okay, at least I make sense because it's always <laughs> been a it's always been a thing like the I always tell the our caterer friends, no, not our caterer friends. I never tell them this, but I feel like I should. But I tell other people like the couple already paid for the vendor meals. Why do the vendors need to be served last? And then they say that, you know, it's because they might run out of food or whatever, but it's already right. paid for, so it's weird. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? It, isn't that so weird? How how about yeah. um, DJs and planners? I know I have a, a bunch of DJ friends that get along with a lot of planners. Yeah. But what are the missteps that you've seen in that that area? Um, my big things are, and I don't know if other, peop other planners are, if this is as big of a pet peeve for them as it is for me, um, But DJs that don't end on time, I mean, this goes with bands too. Like um, per, in a lot of places that are here in New York City, like the venue rental is for a very limited amount of time and you have to load out by a particular time. And if you don't, the couple gets charged for it. Um, and I feel like DJs just completely ignore, like they're, they're caught up in the moment. They want to keep the party going. And so like, giving in to the chance of one last song and stuff like that, or just even not ending on time period. I find it so annoying also because I just want to go home. Like at that point, I want to go home. I have been there for like so much more time than the DJ has been there for the venue. People want to go home 
And it's just like sort of disrespectful, maybe. I don't know if that's a kind of a strong word, but I sort of feel that way. So that's one of my big annoyances. Um, the other thing too is just like not again, not communicating with me on the day of. So like, obviously timelines are so flexible on the day of, and if things aren't running on time or if you need to change things around. So DJs that sort of just like run the show themselves without sort of talking to me or waiting for me for cues and stuff like that is, I don't enjoy that either. Um, I found that most DJs like most times I'm just queuing them for stuff and DJs love that because then they don't really have to like keep track of the time themselves. Um, but people that just kind of unilaterally like start the toast without, you know, me having checked that all the people are in the room or that even the bride and groom are in the room, that kind of thing is, I don't love that. Okay. <laughs> well, at least it's good to know because sometimes yeah. we try to help the DJs too, just in case. Yeah the coordinators outside of the grand entrance room, you know, yeah. at least we were like, okay, good. But, yeah. um, Oh, I have, can I throw in oh. an interesting tip that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. may not have occurred to a lot of people, but this is sort of universal to all vendors. And that is to actually, if there's a planner to actually say goodbye to the planner before you leave. Um, one, again, it's just nice to do, but number two, if I have money for you and you sneak out and then I'm left with like an envelope of cash at the end of the night, um, that I have to give back to the couple because I'm like, they just, they didn't say goodbye to me or something like that. Um, yeah, we might have money for you. So like, just be nice and come and say goodbye before you leave. You know, I just, I, I just realized whenever at the end of the night, when we want to say goodbye to the planners, they're already mm -hmm. gone because they're bringing the stuff upstairs to the bride's room. Because usually we, we we film at a hotel or they d just start cleaning up right after cake cutting. So we never see them again. Oh. Yeah. Huh. It's okay. so weird. So Well, I get it. If like the planner's physically not there, then you're off the hook for that and... But yeah, like if I'm, I'm literally like for me, I don't really clean up and I stay in the room until pretty much the end of the night. And here, most photographers and videographers don't do full day coverage. Yeah. So I'm just standing there and like sometimes they'll sneak oh. out without me seeing them and it's really annoying. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the reason why we look for them is because maybe we got some, you know. <laughs> right. And it's just yeah. nice to like say goodbye to people after you've yeah. worked with them for eight or 10 hours. So. Okay, cool. Now, <laughs> now, now I want to bring up something because yeah. uh, I just realized that I don't know if you noticed this, but whenever we start getting ready for a reception, like setting up our lights and plugging in our audio, and we see that there's going to be a band, automatically we're going to assume that we're not going to be able to eat because they eat uh, our food. Yeah. Is that like um, a thing in New York too? <laughs> it is. Um, it is. And so what I do is I actually get all the other vendors fed before we send the band through. Like if it's a buffet, I've Bless done it before you. where I've like, cause most of the time it's caterers that like I work with a ton. And so I'm like, can you just make a plate for me and the photographers and the videographers, and then we'll send the band through to the buffet. Cause yeah, if it's a buffet, a hundred percent, they will eat all of the food. Um, and bands are so annoying when it comes to food. Cause it's like, I hope, well, I'm going to make some enemies of bands <laughs> if they're listening to this, but we're just, I'm just going to go for it. So bands, like, they, the musicians will show up at, like, 
seven o'clock and then like 8 30 they're famished for dinner and like dying of starvation and i'm like i've been here since 10 o'clock in the morning like what exactly. on earth are you could have eaten dinner beforehand and been fine so i find that really bands are really bands are tough to coordinate in terms of like number of people and egos and stuff and yeah and you know, unless they have, it, it, they they usually arrive with like a toothpick in their mouth, which is I'm assuming they already ate. And <laughs> unless you're Huckleberry Finn or something, <laughs> then yeah. I'm gonna assume that you ate. Yeah. So okay, it's that's good to know that we're on the same page with that. <laughs> but on, so honestly, like I personally wouldn't be offended if I had a videographer say to me hey, we've had this experience before where we've done weddings with bands and we've the caterer has run out of food because the band eats it all. So if there is any way to sort of send us through the line first, I mean, not first, but before the band, um, I would be totally fine with a request like that. So, um, and I think all obviously all planners are different and you kind of have to feel out the planner that you're working with and what kind of relationship that you have but if it's somebody that you feel like you have a good rapport with i think making that request in a polite manner and explaining that you're asking based on past experience because there's some really crazy things that i have to ask for these days because of what has happened in the past and so I always tell people, like, I'm not asking you this or requesting it because I think you're an idiot or because I'm demanding. It's because, like, literally somebody put an ice cream cake in a refrigerator once and not the freezer. So now I have to always ask whether you put the ice cream cake in the freezer. And it makes me look stupid. And it makes probably the person receiving that question feel like, oh, why? She must think I'm not very smart. But it's like, it's happened. And so that's why we're trying to, like, prevent it. Hey, you're just trying to communicate, right? Yeah. They need to understand that. Yep. <laughs> no, now let's get to a very uh, controversial issue for me, which yes. is call, which is the timeline. Oh, who, okay. Who should take the lead on crafting the videography timeline and the photography timeline? I think it depends. So a lot of times... I, if particularly if it's a photographer that I haven't, so this may, okay, so let me back up and say this may not be a totally popular opinion, but I feel like I do tend to defer first to the photographer to get their thoughts on a timeline and then go to the videographer, but I still offer like feedback and input from everybody. Um, but with, so like I'll approach the photographer first and usually I'll say, do you, if it's not somebody I've worked with, I'll ask if they have a draft that they've done. Um, and I'll say, if you don't, that's totally fine. I'm happy to take the first stab at putting one together and I'll have you review it. And usually if they don't have anything, they're more than happy to have me draft it. Um, so usually if that's the case, I would draft it, let the photographer review it, make sure they feel like they have enough time for all their photos, send it to the videographer. That gives the videographer a chance because I know Sometimes some videographers do and some don't want like 10, 15 minutes without photo there. Um, so like if that's the case, then that's an opportunity for them to say, hey, could you build in, you know, like however many minutes into here so I could just grab the couple and we could go somewhere without photo there for like however long. 
Um, so I think it, I tend to defer cause I don't want to feel like I'm shoving a timeline down the photographer's throat. So I, that's why I kind of asked like, Hey, do you want me to do it? And if they haven't done it, like I said, they're probably, they'd rather, why not? Why wouldn't you want to have somebody else do the work first? And then you can just like comment on it. Um, so I feel like in the most cases for me, at least I'm the one taking the lead on doing the schedule, but for sure, send it to everybody for review before it gets finalized um, and make it very clear that I'm open to feedback and not sort of giving this to you as like, this is the final word on everything. Okay. So you're saying that when it comes to who should take the lead with the timeline between the photographer and videographer, you ask the photographer first, right? Yes. But then you take have the lead. If you have any feedback on that on on that approach, I'm happy to. Hear. Actually, I was gonna say we we always tell the planner to ask the photographer first because okay. they're the ones who do the family shoot. They're That's the kind ones. Of yeah. What I figured. Yeah. So they it's easier for the at least for us. We want the day to be easy for the photographer. So them coming up with their own timeline is more important than ours because. Yeah. It's starting to be a thing with videographers where they try to come in earlier than the photographer because they mm -hmm. want to set up shots where, you know, the bride's like walking to the, the, the window and opening the curtain. I don't really do that. <laughs> so, but I, I've, I've been seeing it as a trend where they start to do that. But they still stick to the photographer's schedule because I feel like, you know, with video it's easier for us to capture moments because all we need to do is hit record and stand up and, you know, point the camera to that direction yeah. for photographers. They need to set up their shot. So yeah, I, that's, that's, I feel like that's uh, the right thing, thing to do, but you're also saying that you make the timeline first and then you tell people that you're open to suggestions. Usually unless they have something that I know that they can send me and then I just take what they have and like incorporate it into my sort of master document. Okay. Cause I, I guess I, I have to ask because um, I've noticed some higher end planners mm -hmm. that they have the schedule and you have to stick to the schedule. So for us, we're like, uh, they only have us for eight hours, so they need to pay extra for the extra hours because we don't have like an unlimited package. Right. So how do you feel about how should we handle that? Like them telling telling them about that. <laughs> I wonder. That's a good question because I actually wonder if it's. I mean, yeah, I feel like if it's the planner communicating with you, then going to the couple is, is going to seem like you're kind of going around them. I would just say that, look, you've been booked for eight hours and which means that either you're not going to be there for like the bride getting into the dress or you're not going to be there for like much dancing at the end of the night. Um, and let them know, like, say, does the couple want to add some additional time? I mean, I will always say that, like, I, okay. a good planner should review how much hours of photo coverage they have, how many hours of video coverage, and, like, craft the schedule that way. Like, that definitely guides it. And for sure, if I'm putting something together, like, I just had a couple recently. I think they only had the videographer for, like, seven and a half hours, and it was going to be too short. And so I automatically just went to the couple and was like, hey, based on your schedule, I think you need to add an extra hour. Do you want to do that? Yes. Great. Okay. That's good. Good to know. Because we've, I've worked with uh, planners who are like that 
like they just this is a schedule and you need to stick to it i'm like uh, i can't <laughs> that doesn't yeah that just makes that makes no sense but it, i there are people out there like that because i've heard other stories of people that are like that so yeah the, that's, that's unfortunate <laughs> yeah i know So, and also my wife, what she does is, because my wife is, I'm back office, so I do production, and then she's the one who meets in the other office there. She meets with the couples, and um, she's the one who talks to them about like their timeline, and then, because she always asks, okay, do you have a timeline? And then they show her, and then, you know, she tries to like make suggestions, and she always tells them, okay, how much money did you spend on this wedding? For example, they say a hundred thousand or something. She says every every hour that you're late, if you your wedding is twelve hours or ten hours, if your wedding's ten hours, every hour that you're late, you're wasting a thousand bucks. So make sure that I don't know what you think, but she always says like make sure that your schedule is good enough that you're not wasting any money. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I always build in a lot of buffer time, like in the getting ready portion, just because I know hair and makeup usually runs late or some like, yeah, there's always something that happens. So I like to try to build in extra time so that we're everybody ultimately is running on time. Okay. That's good to know. Cause it, you know, it's, I don't know if you've been noticing, but there's a lot of people who've been skipping planners and I kind of, yeah. And they they invest more in, I don't know what they invest more in, but I kind of miss sometimes having a planner around. I actually, I actually had one wedding where they paid us full price, but they skipped on a planner, skipped on a DJ, they skipped on a photographer, they skipped on what? a caterer. They did like a potluck. Oh, and weird! <laughs> it was such a nightmare. <laughs> Like you oh, see yeah. guests coming with like a box of Costco pizza or yeah. Wow. I mean, even in situations where it's like not that DIY, but there's not a planner. I know that everybody else steps in and does the planner's job. Like if there's, because then at that point, like you have to, you or the photographer have to do the timeline. I have a photographer friend who, when there wasn't a planner involved, the bride asked her to do her hair and makeup schedule for her. And I know that for a lot of us, like we just want to do a good job and help out. So people are more likely to like step in and kind of fill in the gap. So the couple never really knew that they were missing a planner, but all of the vendors felt it because all the vendors were having to like step in and do stuff that's really not part of their job. Yeah, it was just so weird, like, doing the photo shoot, and I'm like, okay, don't look at the camera, look past me, pretend there's a photographer here. <laughs> Why was there no photographer? Well, they had a friend who's oh. trying to get into photography, I'm like, these yeah. are your memories, so anyway, but it, it worked out, I think. They're happy with the video. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so now I want to ask you... When it comes to ref getting referrals from planners, what are the the qualities that you look for in a wedding videographer or in a, in a wedding vendor for you to recommend them again to your couples? But before you answer that, I really want to talk about something that the listeners should know about. The Facebook group that I have created to help wedding business owners figure out specific issues about running their business from sales 
to marketing to advertising social media no art stuff here just all business i know right it's such a great idea if you're committed to building a wedding business that will last you need to join this group we'll have tips episode transcripts workshop information and many more so i hope to see you there just click on the link in the show notes. Okay, so what's your answer to my question? My general rule is that I'm not going to recommend somebody unless I either have worked with them before or I have a personal relationship with them, like I'm friends with them. Because there's plenty, like, for example, I have a ton of, like, photographer friends who we've never actually done an official wedding together, but I love and trust and respect them as people and I like their work, so I would have no hesitation to refer them out. Um, if I haven't worked, if I haven't worked with you or don't have a relationship with you, I'm honestly not going to give you business. And so that's what drives me crazy about these cold emails that people send where it's like, hi, I, I'm so-and-so here's a link to my work. Would love to work with you. Or like, I want to be added to your preferred vendors list, or I'll give you a 10% commission if you refer me. And it's like, they, have no clue who they give no indication that they know like who what my business is or what I'm like about and all that stuff they give no intention of wanting to get to know me and it's just like they just want my business and it's like you're never gonna get it that way and also now you have one strike against you because that's what you think it's appropriate to approach people with which I find really weird so for me it's about people that make genuine connections. So just as a, this is a great example that, that I have, which is um, a photographer, husband and wife photography duo reached out to me. It was a super sweet email. Like they'd clearly, you know, looked at my website, gone through my Instagram and offered to take me out for coffee. Like they were based, they're based in Connecticut and they offered to take me out for coffee the next time they were in New York. And it was just kind of like a nice surprise email to get because most of the ones, like I said, I get are just like the super cold ones. And so I took them up on the offer, met them for coffee. I thought they were super sweet, really liked their work. And like within two weeks, I was able to refer a couple that booked a full package with them. So like good, genuine, honest networking works, like coming from a real place of wanting to get to know somebody and not just wanting to talk to them to try to get business it shows and the people, um, you know, some people are like, some people don't care about that. But for me, like I want to make genuine connections with people and I'm very, very careful about who I recommend to my couples. And so that's sort of my suggestion on how people should navigate networking. Okay. Yeah. You know, wedding, the, the being in the wedding industry, we're a service first business, right? So it's easier to refer people that you can trust because that's the main thing that you need to do first is to make sure that your customer service is good. And it's so hard to just put your trust on someone that you barely know. Right. Yeah. I mean, what if, yeah, there, there's just so many things like from the numbers. So sometimes, you know, I'll come into the planning process and the couple has booked some of their vendors and the amount of times that like I've had negative experiences with those vendors that I didn't have any input in selecting like that just reiterates for me this idea that like, I'm just not going to work with you if I've, I'm not going to recommend you if I've never worked for you with you before and can't vouch for the quality of your service. So apart from uh, having like a heartfelt uh, message that it's sending you directly, what 
other suggestions would you have for people who want to reach out to? Because, you know, the odds of me doing a wedding with you is, you know, it's it, the odds are really small. <laughs> so unless I we, we book one couple together, then that's probably the only time we're going to work with each other, right? So what's, what are the, the other things that, that you could suggest for people to approach to use? Yeah, I'm so when I was starting my business, I did a ton of styled shoots. And that was a really great way for me to create relationships with people. It gave me content when I was starting out. Um, but it's also an opportunity to show somebody what it's going to be like to work with you on the wedding day without having to actually work on a wedding. So one of the styled shoots I did, I, um, there'd been a designer florist here in Brooklyn that I absolutely loved and hadn't gotten a chance to work with her before. So I brought her in for a style shoot. And I just remember her saying, thank you so much for being so organized. All I had to do was just like show up and do my job. And I didn't have to worry about anything else. So like for whichever vendor category you're in, if you're doing a style shoot, that should be your goal. Like just show up and make every do your job and make everybody's life easier. Like, you know, working with, if you're a photographer or videographer, working in advance with the planner to figure out what shots need to happen. Mm -hmm. If you're the designer, making sure that like while our florist, while you're doing things, you're kind of keeping things neat and tidy because believe me that planners and people at venues will watch the setup process for florists. And if they are just like messy and there's crap everywhere, like, even if they clean it up at the end of the day before anybody arrives, like we're still judging you for that. Like, so you just kind of have to keep in mind that it's kind of like a try. It's like a tryout almost. Yeah. I, I always tell my guys set up everything. And then I want you to cleanly like stack it somewhere where you could, you couldn't see it. Like yeah. if, if you could see the tripod heads while everyone's sitting down, that means you need to like fold it down or something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, also just, yeah, people talk about that stuff. So just might be helpful for your listeners. Like I'm part of a planners group and um, somebody was looking for a videographer and different recommendations were coming out. And one of the comments somebody had about one of the videographers was that they'd leave their equipment around all like everywhere or all over the venue. Like they just didn't have it in one spot. And so of course, planners are going to notice that. And they're like, it's really annoying because you had to keep asking this person to like keep moving their stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. I'm pretty sure someone's going to appreciate that, <laughs> that tip. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, about about the styled shoot. So when when that's actually a really good advice because that's what we did. Like when someone approaches us um, about doing like a styled shoot, if we're not really interested, we refer them to other people. Because mm -hmm. I feel like other other videographers would want to have that opportunity. But yeah. we, we look at the roster and we're like, oh, man, I want to work with her so bad. So now we get to establish a better relationship because, you know, you get to work with each other without actually working. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, there's a really great. So one videographer here sort of we exchanged kind of like promo videos. So they had me come into their studio. They asked me questions about like what I loved about working with them. We did the same thing where they answered questions about like why they liked working with me. They put together like a 60 second film that I now have on the homepage of my website. So 
also offering your services to other to planners and other vendors is a great way to build a relationship. Okay, that's good. I whenever we do style shoots, I don't know if you you do this too or someone you know does this, but when we do style shoots, we um we send everyone the invoice of what we're charging for something like that usually but of course we don't charge them for anything but just so they see the value of what we're bringing to the table i think that people started to appreciate that they they started to like i've never seen anybody do that before yeah i kind of like feel like at least my wife she she wants everyone to know that okay this is not something that's just a hobby we're actually spending money yeah. <laughs> for this yeah so okay good to know that i'm not a jerk <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> now i want to ask you um uh how can you explain to to wedding videographers or uh, the vendors why it sometimes seems like planners are getting too bogged down in the details of the the wedding yeah, I think one of the things that vendors don't realize is that the planner gets blamed for everything. <laughs> if anything goes wrong, it is our fault, even if it's not our fault. Um, you know, I've been, peop- I yeah, couples have, <laughs> couples and parents have come after me for like things not working out when like the flowers were wrong or a transportation shuttle didn't show up or, you know, they were serving the wrong kind of alcohol at the bar. And these are all things that like, I, I do literally everything I can to try to prevent and to solve for. And sometimes stuff just goes wrong, but my job is to prevent that. And so I feel like if somebody feels like I'm sending them the schedule, like confirming the schedule too many times or asking too many questions. Um, like one example is I worked with photographers who tend to be really casual about family photos. And I've worked with some that are very detailed. Like I mostly defer to like the more detailed end where it's like they need a, the photographer and videographer need, or more the photographer need a list of every like every single photo pairing so that all they have to do is like yell out names and get this done. And other photographers are just they're like, oh, bride with mom, bride with close or like bride with close family. And like they accepted that as one of the the photos. And I kept trying to get the photographer to like dig dig down with the couple and just be like, Hey, it's really important because I know that family photos get really stressful, especially if they start taking a really long time. And then a stressed out couple means that they're cranky. And then they, I'm the one that like gets receives that crankiness. So like, I, you just have to realize that planners, obviously I'm sure there are some that are going to be nicer and more pleasant than others, but planners, like just the place that we're coming from is that at the end of the day, everything is our fault. If you do something wrong, if you miss something, even if we told you like right before this is what's happening, it's going to come back on us. So our job is to try to prevent all of that. And so we might seem over communicative and over detail oriented in pursuit of that goal. uh, You know, to be honest, I love getting emails where there's like a 13-page PDF of <laughs> <laughs> what time the truck's going to load and unload and you know, but we we've learned how to 
just read through it and then make our own timeline for for our guys yeah. when so gone. what I, i've heard so i have a good friend who's a photographer in california and she was telling me like she got she was showing me a clip of the um schedule she got from the planner where it was like margar frozen margarita machines being delivered <laughs> at four and she's like so glad to know that um what i personally do and i don't know if most planners do this is like, I obviously have my master schedule, but what I send to each vendor is just applicable to them. Like you don't need to know what time the florist is going to be there. You don't know, need to know when the DJ is setting up. Um, so yeah, I make sure like it's more work on my part for sure. But I also want to make sure, cause if I send, if I were to send you the 13 page PDF, my concern is that you would be so overwhelmed by it that you wouldn't actually read it. So I'm trying to like give you the most condensed version to encourage people to actually like read it. That's another, so that's another DJ um, annoyance is when they clearly haven't read the timeline. Um, actually all vendors, that's an all vendors annoyance. And it happens. They're like, I've had a caterer ask me when cocktail hour was once. I'm like, no, this is on a schedule that you've had for two months. Um, so yeah, do everybody a favor and please read the documents that the planner sends you. Well, you're going to love working with us because number one, we read the timeline. We read it two months be when you when you give it to us. And on the way to the shoot, we we're like driving and talk about the timeline. But also yeah. for the family shoot, we always tell the couples this is a tip to anyone listening and watching. We always tell the couples, we need to help out the the photographer by lessening their work because their job is to compose the shot and take a photo, right? So them screaming at people who don't know them is not a good idea. And we need to help the planner go to the... Because the job of the planner needs to be... They need to be one step ahead of you so they need to be at the reception while they're doing family shoots. So, 100%. <laughs> so we always tell the couples, you need to get one person on both sides to do the screaming because people know who they are so they can scream at whoever they want. Right. So yeah. now we, we always have this, this boyfriend of a cousin and someone else Perfect. that just stands right there and just calls everyone, okay, uncle, blah, 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 blah. So, exactly. you know. Yeah. So I hope that helps to anyone. Yeah. No, that's a great tip. And I think I wish more photographers like, I mean, that's a great thing to have like in your questionnaire is to say who is, who can, because then that way you make sure that it actually gets filled out and gets answered. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Um, now let's go to emails. I yes. remember... I've never thought of this before because we always communicate with the planners separately from the the couple. And also when it comes to like, okay, your video's here. Some planners, they want to be in that email. Some don't. So do the planners really need to be copied on all of the videographers' emails or anyone, any vendor for that matter? I think so because they're... I've had a lot of situations where one, a vendor was asking the couple for something and the couple just didn't respond. And so in that case, maybe I have the information and can just get it to you, or I can also help bother the couple to get that information. Um, so I think that's a really good, I, my rule of thumb, and I think this is 
good, just copy the planner until they tell you to stop. Cause like if they don't want to be copied on everything or if you're flooding their inbox, they'll tell you, they'll just say, you don't need to copy me on this. Um, the other thing that I've noticed and the reason why I like to be copied on things is sometimes couples are not going to be as familiar with their day of timeline or some of the details as the planner is. And I've seen where couples will give incorrect information to the vendors. So if I'm not copied on that email, I can't catch that mistake and correct it um, until maybe until somehow it comes out later on. So that's personally like I like to be copied on everything so that I can stay in the loop because there's so many details that happen that somebody might be talking to somebody about like with a DJ, if the plan is to like start the dance set with like a traditional Russian song to get like the all the like family members onto the dance floor, then I can't. And if the DJ doesn't do that on the wedding day, and I don't know that it's happening, then I can't like make sure that it does actually happen. Because like if that was to happen, and I had it on my schedule that this first song is supposed to be like a Russian folk song, whatever, I can't then go to the DJ and say, Hey, you were supposed to play this. Can you go ahead and you know, make that your next song or something like that. Like if I don't know something exists, I can't plan for it and make sure that it happens. Okay. So, so usually we email, if we're working with a photographer who's new or a DJ who's new, we usually email them like, Hey, we can't wait to work with you. Blah, blah, blah. These, these are the things that we're going to need for the audio system. Yeah. It, it's a, so you're saying it's a good idea to include you in there. Oh, on some, no, only on stuff with the couple. I feel with the like. couple. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking that, like if you're talking with the photographer to like set up a call or something, I don't need to be copied on that, but okay. anything with the couple, I think it's important to copy the planner. Cause I, I feel like I need to sometimes because, because like, um, I recently did a wedding where the DJ came in with this, his, his, uh, his whole system is this big. So, you know, it's like a portable mm. beach thing. Okay. Yeah. So he comes in with that and I'm like, okay, I need to, um, I need to hook up to your system. And he's like, that's the, I have nothing. Right. He's like, I have a headphone, headphone jack out. Okay. I'm like, okay, I'll just attach that. So anyway, he, he was so difficult to work with because all he told me is, that's not my problem. Yeah. I've never heard a vendor say that to me or I've yep. never said that to anyone. We no, always yeah. like try to figure out. I'm like, you're the DJ. I'm not yeah. the audio guy. Help me yeah. out here. So I had to have my wife run to the store or uh, she actually went here first in the office to, and then she went to the shoot because I had to like MacGyver everything and just you yeah. know try to figure out what to do. Yeah, so, I think that's smart to to ask and like to talk in advance or particularly like I've had situations where there was in an in-house sound system and like the videographer and the in-house events person like had to spend half an hour maybe trying to figure out how to get them connected into it. And I'm like, if you're a videographer and you know, if you're like my mentality is if something depends on somebody else. So like if you're a videographer and you are planning on like tapping into the DJ sound or tapping into the venue sound, wouldn't you want to talk to them in advance to like confirm what the setup is and just make sure that that's okay. Like, yeah. 
I just think you kind of have to think you have to just be a little bit more pro like good vendors are proactive and understand their needs and aren't just like, oh, we'll just figure it out on the day of they actually like go in knowing exactly what they need to be doing. Yeah, I think also the, there's a reason why people charge more or the the reason actually for people to charge more is because they're solving more problems like you, you they're more proactive like the the lower your rates are the less responsibility you have i guess the less you're doing probably yeah because yeah. like if you think that you're charging for your time and you're not charging much then that means that you're not spending the time that you should be exactly on so kind of like with us sometimes they don't have a timeline so we help with the timeline or we help coordinate right. with the other vendors or recommend other people yeah but i i feel like that's you're right. They people have to be more proactive. Even if you don't charge a lot, like it's good training for people, and it's yeah. you're going to be in the radar of the good wedding planners. <laughs> well, that's like I want to be honest. Like in terms of, I mean, I, obviously I have like a lot of different photographers that I recommend because there's different styles and different price points. Um, I have a smaller group of videographers, but like when it comes to like florists and caterers and things like that, I maybe have three or four that I will always recommend. And I don't, I don't need a lot of variety. Like if you're good at your job, I will keep recommending you over and over and over and over again. Um, so I think that's just something people have to keep in mind, like just being really good at your job and being nice is a really great way to forge relationships. Um, one thing I actually, so one of the points we were talking about earlier that I want to get your thoughts on. So in terms of, cause you mentioned copying planners when sending the video um, or like photographers copying the planner when sending photos. I'm actually not bothered by not being copied on those emails because I sort of feel like that's a private thing for the couple. And I want them to like, get that like I want the couple to have that moment where like they're the only ones who have the photos or the video and they get to watch it rather than it like going out to all of their vendors at once and then everybody like putting it on social media and stuff without like giving the privacy to the couple so you may I think it's fine like I am not offended if I'm not copied on like okay. when photos and videos are delivered good to know because uh, sometimes they have revisions so you know, giving them that privacy, you're right, just giving them that privacy and the option of just making a few changes would probably be better. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> you already answered my next question about the uh, the being on the radar. So <laughs> I, I want to ask you now, what is your best advice for – I'm trying to think – if there's something that we haven't talked about yet when it comes to people who are trying to get into the industry have leave their mark like what's the best way for someone who's new to leave their mark like leave a really good um what do you call like this impre a, impression a good first impression yeah yeah honestly it's being good at, it's being good at what you do because there's so many people out there that are mediocre um, because it's easy to launch a business. It's not easy to like maintain and sustain and stay in business, but it is very easy to launch a business. And there are so many people, 
you know, that think they're good at photography or videography and decide, oh, I'm going to start doing this or people that are like, and I hate to say this because I sort of did it after I planned my own wedding. But hopefully since I've been doing it for six years, I have some legitimacy. But like the people that are like, oh, I just planned my own wedding. Now I want to be a wedding planner kind of thing or like I like music. I'm going to be a DJ. So easy to start. And so because of that, there are people that don't know what they're doing. And I think even if you are just starting out, you can still demonstrate that you're really good at what you do. And it's about being communicative. It's about being organized. It's about caring, like really genuinely caring about doing a good job. It's doing a good job and being good at what you do and like being nice to people. I mean, some of this seems like common sense, but I don't think it is to a lot of people because I've come across so many people that just aren't, are not like blowing my socks off with their service. Um, but yeah, it's, it's even, I wouldn't let anybody get disheartened. Like you don't have to be 10 years, five years into this business in order to be successful and in order to get on people's radars and have people talking about you, like be good at what you do and be good, be good at. So I think it's be good at like the service that you provide and then be good at running a business, be a good business person. So like the admin stuff, like being responsive to emails, you know, invoicing couples, timely manner, like all that, like being organized, knowing how to keep up with the timeline, like it's the behind the scenes stuff. And then it's actually like being good at the service that you're providing. Yes. It's the stuff that you don't see on social media that actually matter. Yeah, because if I have to, if I email you and then I have to email you again in order to get you res to respond, and if I have to keep doing that, basically, like every time I want a response, I'm not ever, I don't ever want to work with you again. Cool. You, it, it, I, I like that you said that um, you don't want to dishearten people who are starting out because, yeah. you know, I when we go to networking events, we do a lot of networking. And we when we go to networking events, I've been in the industry for nine years now. And you see all these younger people and you see that they they, they stick out. The, the good ones that you feel like are going to last longer, they stick out, right, mm -hmm. in the crowd. Yep. Um, what are the red flags, if any, that you notice when it comes to, like, newcomers? <laughs> Not really newcomers, but, like, with vendors in general, like – um, red flags that you notice that you're like, I'm never even going to give this person a shot. Um, responsiveness. So like if you can't respond to emails in a timely manner, um, and even if it's just like if you're on vacation or maybe you're even just swamped one week, like just send me an email that says, hey, I am super swamped this week. I'm going to get back to you in a week. Like that's fine um, because I know that you're there and you're paying attention because so many people don't ever respond. So you just kind of never know what happens to your emails. Um, I think people that are sort of charging a price point that like doesn't make sense with either their skill level or like years of experience or the market. I think people that are like undercutting that doesn't look so great. Um, the other like red flags for me again, are the people that send those cold emails and like, just ask for my business. I'm like, I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna refer business to you. So I think those are kind of like the big things that are just those sort of like snap judgment things that kind of turn me off to vendors. Yeah. Cause this is, it's a once in a lifetime thing for the couple. So you, it's really hard to risk it. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I was talking to somebody. I mean, it's unfortunate, but like, at least when it comes to planners, we can't be very forgiving. Like we, it's kind of like one strike and you're out unless you have a relationship. So like I have, for example, a caterer who I've worked with basically since the beginning. So for like six years, we've worked together one night, like last during last wedding season, they had an off night. Um, I talked to them about it. Like I was open and they were open to the feedback and even I know them and trust them. So I'm not going to write them off from that one experience. I think maybe had they reacted negatively to like me giving feedback or gotten defensive or not acknowledged what happened, I think that would have been a different story. But because I had a six year relationship with them, I was, I'm fine and comfortable continuing to use them and everything's been fantastic since then. But like if it's my first time working with you and you're like a caterer and you're 45 minutes late on dinner service, and the couple starts getting unhappy and like that's when it's going to be a problem. Yeah, because the if the it if it's 45 minutes late and the couple's unhappy, that means the vendors are going to die of hunger. <laughs> that also too. <laughs> that's why you need to bring a snack. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll bring a snack next time. <laughs> okay, um so last question, I guess cuz I feel like we've covered everything, right? When it comes yeah, to Yeah, I think yeah, I think we've given a lot of hopefully helpful information. Oh yeah, folks. for sure. I feel like now I'm going to direct this question towards the wedding planners who are listening. And if they're starting out, what is your best tip? Like what what advice should you give? Because at least for me, for wedding videographers, I always tell people who are starting out, <clears throat> don't launch your business work for other people first because mm -hmm. you could learn your mistakes you could make mistakes there and or you could learn from the the owner's mistakes yeah um they, like what what's your advice for for wedding planners or aspiring um i think my advice is to understand what you're getting into on well two things to understand one is to understand that being a wedding planner is not glamorous I think people think, and I've had, like, I've interviewed per perspective, like, day of um, assistants and stuff who have been like, I've been like, why do you want to do this? And like, weddings are so beautiful and it's so pretty and it's like love and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's, it's not glamorous. So I think people need to, wedding planners need to really be aware of that before they get into this. Like, if they think they're interested in it, like, it's just, it's not glamorous. It's not pretty sometimes. Sometimes I've picked up, like, dirty diapers off of the ground and, like, wiped up chicken poop off of a dance floor. So, like, not great. Um, and both of those were at the same wedding. Fun fact. <laughs> but the other thing... <laughs> I hope it's chicken poop. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, the other thing I think, like, a good, an important starting tip is to make sure that you know how to run a business. Like it's fine if you can plan great events and you're organized when it comes to like logistics and stuff like that. But if you, you know, don't have a really organized file management system, if you don't, um, aren't good with spreadsheets, if you don't know how to like kind of have work processes and workflows, or if you're not great with like accounting and taxes, like, 
there's so like planning is one part of it and then running the business is another. And I think people don't quite understand the running the business part. So that's something they should definitely be aware of. That's really good advice because I could just imagine the planner, if they're disorganized, I, <laughs> that the wedding is going to be in the shitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. Uh, that was, that was, I think we've covered everything, right? I now, think so. <laughs> I would love it if you would tell the the listeners and the viewers if they have any questions for you or how they could reach you or what you're up to with um with what you're up to right now. Yeah. So if anybody like I love chatting about this kind of stuff. So if anybody has any follow up questions, you can reach me at Leah at colorpopevents.com websites, colorpopevents.com. And then on all the social media platforms, I am at colorpopevents. So would love to hear from everybody if they have some questions, especially vendor meals, like bring me all the vendor meal drama. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll contribute to that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. We should have like a Facebook forum of just like vendor meal conversations. Or just a Facebook group of just photos of the vendor meal. Like, look at what I'm having tonight. Yes, this is true. Oh, thank you so much, Leah. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was great chatting with you. And it's nice to see you because we have the same taste in color. Yes. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will um, hopefully see you soon in person. And yeah, that'd be great. All the best to you. Thank you. Thanks. I told you that it was going to be a great episode, right? I hope this helps you in adding more value to your service. What makes you different and the only way to get to that level is when you talk to experts who specialize in different aspects of running a business. You have to understand that most people in our industry stop at knowing how to do the skill and then they, someone tells them, oh, you just have to charge more. When they get to the part where they actually have to add value, they quit because it's too much work. That's called the dip and that's the part where you actually overtake and take the lead. Running a small business is hard work, especially when you're doing it by yourself. Fortunately, there's Facebook. If you want to stay updated on future episodes or watch the live video interviews, feel free to go to the Wedding Bossness Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash weddingbossness or join the Facebook group if you have any questions or would want to help others. I'll put all of the info in the notes below. Feel free to reach out and talk to other like-minded bossness people. Or just let off some steam. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss man out. Um, one thing I actually, so one of the points we were talking about earlier that I want to get your thoughts on. So in terms of, cause you mentioned copying planners when sending the video, um, or like photographers copying the planner when sending photos, I'm actually not bothered by not being copied on those emails because I sort of feel like that's a private thing for the couple. And I want them to like, 
get that. Like, I want the couple to have that moment where like, they're the only ones who have the photos or the video and they get to watch it rather than it like going out to all of their vendors at once. And then everybody like putting it on social media and stuff without like giving the privacy to the couple. So you may, I think it's fine. Like I am not offended if I'm not copied on like when photos and videos are delivered. Good to know because uh, sometimes they have revisions. So, you know, giving them that privacy, you're right. Just giving them that privacy and the option of just making a few changes would probably be better. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> you already answered my next question about the uh, the being on the radar. So <laughs> I, I want to ask you now, what is your best advice for – I'm trying to think – if there's something that we haven't talked about yet when it comes to people who are trying to get into the industry have leave their mark like well, how, what's the best way for someone who's new to leave their mark like leave a really good um what do you call like this impre- a, impression a good first impression yeah yeah honestly it's being good at, it's being good at what you do cuz there's so many people out there that are mediocre um, because it's easy to launch a business. It's not easy to like maintain and sustain and stay in business, but it is very easy to launch a business. And there are so many people, you know, that think they're good at photography or videography and decide, oh, I'm going to start doing this or people that are like, and I hate to say this because I sort of did it after I planned my own wedding, but hopefully since I've been doing it for six years, I have some legitimacy, but like the people that are like, oh, I just planned my own wedding. Now I want to be a wedding planner kind of thing. Or like, I like music. I'm going to be a DJ. So easy to start. And so because of that, there are people that don't know what they're doing. And I think even if you are just starting out, you can still demonstrate that you're really good at what you do. And it's about being communicative. It's about being organized. It's about caring, like really genuinely caring about doing a good job. It's doing a good job and being good at what you do and like being nice to people. I mean, some of this seems like common sense, but I don't think it is to a lot of people because I've come across so many people that just aren't, are not like blowing my socks off with their service. Um, But yeah, it's, it's even, I wouldn't let anybody get disheartened. Like you don't have to be 10 years, five years into this business in order to be successful and in order to get on people's radars and have people talking about you, like be good at what you do and be good, be good at, so I think it's be good at like the service that you provide and then be good at running a business, be a good business person. So like the admin stuff, like being responsive to emails, you know, invoicing couples, timely manner, like all that, like being organized, knowing how to keep up with the timeline, like it's the behind the scenes stuff. And then it's actually like being good at the service that you're providing. Yes. It's the stuff that you don't see on social media that actually matter. Yeah. Cause if I have to, if I email you and then I have to email you again in order to get you res- to respond. And if I have to keep doing that, basically like every time I want a response, I'm not ever, I don't ever want to work with you again. Cool. You, it, it, I, I like that you said that um, you don't want to dishearten people who are starting out because yeah. you know i when we go to networking events we do a lot of networking and we when we go to networking events i've been in the industry for nine years now and you see all these younger people and you see that 
they they stick out the the good ones that you feel like are gonna last longer they stick out right mm-hmm. in the crowd yeah. um what are the red flags if any that you notice when it comes to like newcomers <laughs> not really newcomers but like with vendors in general like um red flags that you notice that you're like i'm never on, even gonna give this person a shot um responsiveness so like if you can't respond to emails in a timely manner um and even if it's just like if you're on vacation or maybe you're even just swamped one week like just send me an email that says hey i am super swamped this week i'm gonna get back to you in a week like that's fine um, because I know that you're there and you're paying attention because so many people don't ever respond. So you just kind of never know what happens to your emails. Um, I think people that are sort of charging a price point that like doesn't make sense with either their skill level or like years of experience or the market. I think people that are like undercutting that doesn't look so great. Um, the other like red flags for me again, are the people that send those cold emails and like, just ask for my business. I'm like, I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna refer business to you. So I think those are kind of like the big things that are just those sort of like snap judgment things that kind of turn me off to vendors. Yeah. Cause this is, it's a once in a lifetime thing for the couple. So you, it's really hard to risk it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I was talking to somebody. I mean, it's unfortunate, but like, at least when it comes to planners, we can't be very forgiving. Like we, it's kind of like one strike and you're out unless you have a relationship. So like I have, for example, a caterer who I've worked with basically since the beginning. So for like six years, we've worked together one night like last during last wedding season, they had an off night. Um, I talked to them about it. Like I was open and they were open to the feedback and even I know them and trust them. So I'm not going to write them off from that one experience. I think maybe had they reacted negatively to like me giving feedback or gotten defensive or not acknowledge what happened. I think that would have been a different story, but because I had a six year relationship with them, I was, I'm fine and comfortable continuing to use them and everything's been fantastic since then. But like, if it's my first time working with you and you're like a caterer and you're 45 minutes late on dinner service, And the couple starts getting unhappy, and like that's when it's going to be a problem. Yeah, because the if the it if it's forty five minutes late and the couple's unhappy, that means the vendors are going to die of hunger. <laughs> that also too. <laughs> that's why you need to bring a snack. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll bring a snack next time. <laughs> okay. Um. So, last question, I guess, because I feel like we've covered everything, right? When it comes yeah, to yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we've given a lot of hopefully helpful information. Oh, yeah, them. for sure. I feel like now I'm going to direct this question towards the wedding planners who are listening. And if they're starting out, what is your best tip? Like what, what advice should you give? Because at least for me, for wedding videographers, I always tell people who are starting out, <clears throat> don't launch your business. Work for other people first because mm-hmm. you could learn your mistakes. You could make mistakes there, and or you could learn from the the owners' mistakes. Yeah. Um, they, like, what what's your advice for for wedding planners or aspiring? Um, 
I think my advice is to understand what you're getting into on, well, two things to understand. One is to understand that being a wedding planner is not glamorous. I think people think, and I've had, like I've interviewed perspective, like day of um, assistants and stuff who have been like, I've been like, why do you want to do this? And like, weddings are so beautiful and it's so pretty and it's like love and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's, it's not glamorous. So I think people need to, wedding planners need to really be aware of that before they get into this. Like if they think they're interested in it, like it's just, it's not glamorous. It's not pretty sometimes. Sometimes I've picked up like dirty diapers off of the ground and like wiped up chicken poop off of a dance floor. So like not great. Um, and both of those were at the same wedding. Fun fact. But the other thing. <laughs> I hope it's chicken poop. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, the other thing I think like a good, an important starting tip is to make sure that you know how to run a business. Like it's fine if you can plan great events and you're organized when it comes to like logistics and stuff like that. But if you, you know, don't have a really organized file management system, if you don't, um, aren't good with spreadsheets, if you don't know how to like kind of have work processes and workflows, or if you're not great with like accounting and taxes, like there's so like planning is one part of it and then running the business is another. And I think people don't quite understand the running the business part. So that's something they should definitely be aware of. That's really good advice because I could just imagine the planner if they're disorganized. I that wedding is gonna be in the shitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So okay. Uh, that was that was. I think we've covered everything, right? I now, think so. <laughs> I would love it if you would tell the the listeners and the viewers if they have any questions for you or how they could reach you or what you're up to with um with what you're up to right now yeah so if anybody like i love chatting about this kind of stuff so if anybody has any follow-up questions you can reach me at leah at colourpopevents.com websites colourpopevents.com and then on all the social media platforms i am at colourpopevents so would love to hear from everybody if they have some questions especially vendor meals like bring me all the vendor meal drama i'm i'm here for it <laughs> oh i'll i'll contribute to that one for sure <laughs> yeah we should have like a facebook forum of just like vendor meal conversations or just a facebook group of just photos of the vendor meal like look at what i'm having tonight yes this is true Oh, thank you so much, Leah. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was great chatting with you. And it's nice to see you because we have the same taste in color. Yes. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will um, hopefully see you soon in person. And yeah, that'd be great. All the best to you. Thank you. Thanks. I told you that it was going to be a great episode, right? I hope this helps you in adding more value to your service. What makes you different and the only way to get to that level is when you talk to experts who specialize in different aspects of running a business. You have to understand that most people in our industry stop at knowing how to do the skill and then they, someone tells them, oh, you just have to charge more. When they get to the part where they actually have to add value, they quit because it's too much work. That's called the dip and that's the part where you actually overtake and take the lead. Running a small business is hard work, especially when you're doing it by yourself. Fortunately, 
there's Facebook. If you want to stay updated on future episodes or watch the live video interviews, feel free to go to the Wedding Bossness Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash weddingbossness or join the Facebook group if you have any questions or would want to help others. I'll put all of the info in the notes below. Feel free to reach out and talk to other like-minded bossness people or just let off some steam. Till then... Play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss man out.